Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, we're back, we're black, we're brown ambition. Hey, Mandra. <laughs> hey, 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 how's it going? Good. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm serving um, bed bun realists. What about you? You know what? I am serving. I woke up today and my house smelled like a swamp. Thank you, Hurricane Ida. No. My Zen Den has been tarnished by the swamp waters of the Bronx River. But, you know, we're very blessed and fortunate that we didn't have a lot of damage. So my heart goes out to, I mean, just so many families. Even in my neighborhood, some houses flooded completely. Yeah. So, you know, we're very lucky. And, you know, my heart goes out to everyone who's dealing with a complete nightmare, including Tanetta Bell, yes, who photographed. Our- Yes. Our logo, our artwork. Yeah. So if you've Shout seen like our Brown Ambition, like our new um, Brown Ambition artwork or the, the the one from before or any of my headshots, it's my friend in the cover of my book, Giga With Money. It's my friend, Tanetta Bell. And um, she lives in New Jersey and her basement just, just flooded and she just lost so much. And I just saw that she had posted her frustration that she, it looks like FEMA might not be servicing Essex County where we live. So she's just really, it's just, I, you know, I'm going to actually call her today. So, you know, just love and light to you, Tanetta. I just can't imagine. I mean, to your point, Mandy, literally it was like house by house, you know, like my house was fine, but the one across the street, they're pumping out like gallons and gallons and gallons of water. So, well, to everyone recovering from the storm along the East Coast and in the Gulf Coast for sure, everyone listening in New Orleans, Mississippi, Alabama. Mm. Why did I say New Orleans as if that's the entire state? Louisiana, it's not. Um, hearts out. I hope you guys are recovering. And, you know, if anyone listening to the show has any stories to share or wants to offer support to BA listeners who may be in need, hit us up, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on IG. We are at Brown Ambition Podcast or brownambitionpodcast.com. Zach Combs. So this week's a little special. Spesh. Yes, it is super special because we are going to take y'all on a very special trip down memory lane. Mm, that's right, Tiff. Now, last week, if you guys listened, if you haven't, go back and listen. It is not, it's an episode you don't want to miss. But we mentioned that our first ever episode of Brown Ambition, it's actually been eaten up and hidden away by the podcasting gods somehow. You actually can't find it unless you know exactly where to look. Our first ever episode actually aired... September 15th, 2016. Wait, that's incorrect. Why did I get our own anniversary wrong? (laughs) It originally aired 2015, Tiffany, which means we are just coming up on our six-year anniversary. Oh, my gosh. We were such baby podcasters then. (laughs) Uh, So, y'all, to celebrate, me and Mandra dug deep, deep, deep into the archives of the internet to find our first episode. And y'all, it does not disappoint. You get to hear baby Mandra and me, Tiffany, talking about why we started this little show to begin with and what we hope and dream we build together. This community, this beautiful BA fam that we've come to love so much. After you listen to our first ever episode, stick around because after the break, we are also going to have y'all listen to a throwback to one of our favorite guests of 2020, Dr. Imani Walker, who you might recognize from a little show called Bravo's Married to Medicine. Yes, Mandra, Dr. Imani is a physician trained in general adult psychiatry, and she joined us in the thick of the pandemonium last year to give us some solid tips for staying sane during this quarantine. 
That was a little rhyme, but not really. Now it looks like we are all headed back to the land of mask mandates and COVID quarantine. So we thought it'd be a good time to bring back Dr. Imani's tips for a refresher on how we can all be kind to our bodies and minds and each other. Okay, so deep Wusa breath. I think we need to bring back that squiggly, dreamy sequence music they use whenever Saved by the Bell. Tiffany, is Saved by the Bell like a your generation thing or a my generation? I do thing? know Saved by the Bell. That was my generation. Okay. Thank you. But you know when they used to go to the max and they would like have the squiggly pink glittery, you know, filter come over the screen and then the violins or the ch- the the harp. No, the harp yes. would start chiming. You knew it was a throwback episode. So we need that music. BA fam, we hope you enjoy this throwback episode. So producer Sarah, please cue the squiggly dreamy music. Hey everyone, I'm Mandy. Hey, 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 it's Tiffany. And, and this, this is Brown, Brown Ambition. Ambition. I've been a reporter in New York City for five years. Right now I'm a writer at Yahoo Finance. I write about money, business, career, basically anything to do with the world and how it impacts your wallet. And I am Tiffany, but much better known as the Budgetista, and I'm a financial educator, best-selling author, speaker, teacher, all things personal finance, basically. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about career, relationships, life, and living in this brown skin. We work, we start businesses, we help one another, we do everything we can to make a better life for ourselves, and that's what Brown Ambition is all about. So here are some topics you might hear us talk about on the podcast. How to deal with office bullies and microaggressions. Coping with being the only one in the office. Yes. (laughs) How to get money for a new business even when you have no idea what you're doing. Should you care if people think you have resting bitch face? Guilty. (laughs) What to do when Bay earns less than you? Guilty, guilty. (laughs) Whether or not we should use the word Bay in everyday conversations. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. We're going to start off the podcast by talking about some buzzworthy headlines that are cropping up in our lives. And we want to talk more about This week's buzzworthy. Yes, I'm excited about this one. I think I'm. I, I know I'm excited too. I have a lot of opinions about this, mm-hmm. and so does the rest of America. Yes, so many opinions on how a young woman today decides the right time to step into motherhood. Yes, baby limbo. Baby limbo. Yes, right. It's this. Uh, you know, I kind of came up with this terminology for mm-hmm. a story I did on young people, millennials, eighteen to up to their mid thirties, who are stuck between. Do I have all this college debt or do, you know, pay that off and Mm -hmm. focus on my career or do I also have a baby Mm. or, you know, what should come first? Um, And honestly, it's such a difficult question because Mm -hmm. Mother Nature doesn't wait for you to pay off your student loan debt. And I think that women have to recognize that fact. And it's maybe not so comfortable because, you know, obviously we want to talk about how much control uh, we should have over our our own bodies, which is absolutely true. You should, you know, be your own body's boss. But at the end of the day... Like that clock is ticking. Yeah, it's true. So I'm 35 and I turned 36 in October, um, which is not far away. And I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot because I am in a serious relationship. Me and my boyfriend, Superman, he already has a daughter. She's eight. She's great. Dating (laughs) a man with a daughter. That's some grown up dating. Yes. But I love it, honestly, because one, I'm at an age now and because I work for myself, I realized I don't necessarily want a huge family. I came from a family, there was five girls. My mom and dad raised all five of us. And I don't know that I want a big family, but I at least think I'm pretty sure I want at least one kid of my own. I mean, according to my mom, I really need to get on it. And I kind of feel like that too. My best friend just had a baby and my sister just had a baby. And so their babies are all under a year old. Mm. And so Baby I've been fever. like, yeah, a little bit, but sometimes you feel your ovaries start to twinge a little bit. <laughs> when you see them. More so that I'm like, oh, I'm going to be 36. So when are you going to make a choice? Mm-hmm. A friend of mine had. She made her choice at 36 and had her baby at 37, and she said, I wish I would have started sooner. That's what I hear. I'm afraid. Yeah. Because sooner would be, I'm 28 right now, Mm -hmm. and I feel like, am I going to regret not having a baby now? I don't know. But it seems like the, I just don't want to do it. Her reason for saying she wished she would have started sooner is that she wished she really wants to have a second, and she doesn't know. If she can. Yeah, if she can. Mm -hmm. 
So that's why. I don't know that I want to have a second. I mean, I would want to have two kids, but between his one and my one, I'm like, well, there goes one plus one makes two. Last yeah, one I for check. free. <laughs> yes, she's the bonus kid. <laughs> and so, and plus I do so much work and I really want to, and I know this might sound a little selfish, but I want to maintain my individual personality and maintain. Selfish is okay. You know, as long as you know. I mean, I think selfish would be more so having 10 kids and still wanting to fly around the country and speak and teach and you don't have enough time for your children. So mm-hmm. I don't want to spread myself super thin. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you just have one kid to start. I know. Well, my boyfriend's a twin, so he Can is just... Can you imagine how... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, no. no. I'm like, yo, he, is, he told me already, like, so I'm aiming for does twins. That, does that gene come from the male line? Or the, I don't which know. Which is more likely to get... Oh, somebody love. Somebody uh, email us at... Um, Brown Ambition Podcast at uh, gmail.com. Yes, and tell us, how exactly are twins uh, formulated? Does that come from the male line, the female line? Is that, is it hereditary? Yeah, is it hereditary? Or is that like some sort of random? I do think it skips a generation, so you might be good. Okay. Maybe you're, if you have a daughter, then she's got to worry. But yes. you're good. So, so you oh, say God. until I come back to the next podcast. And I'm like, so y'all, I'm having twins. Thanks, Mandy. Right. <laughs> I can talk, well, you know, I'm, I'm 28, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily feel pressure to have a baby. Okay. But I feel, I guess that's not true. I don't feel pressure from myself. Okay. I don't, I look at puppies and I feel my, my ovaries twinge. Like <laughs> I really want a puppy very badly. Babies not so much, but mm-hmm. they're cute. What I do feel is intense pressure from, you know, I'm dating, I've been dating uh, my partner and boyfriend mm-hmm. for uh, th- over three years now, which is my longest relationship. Okay. And, you know, we live together and we're kind of, we're kind of playing it as we, you know, by ear, mm-hmm. um, his family, however, is not waiting, yes. especially his mother. Um, he comes from a very traditional, uh, close-knit community and family. Um, I guess it's not giving away too much if I say he's Dominican. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in a mixed-race race relationship, um, and his mother is very Catholic and very old school, and she is like the mother of mothers. Mm. She lives to nurture her sons, two sons. They are spoiled, rotten. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I feel her looking at me and wondering, not just feel, but I hear because she tells me, (laughs) Mandy, Amanda, why, why no baby yet? Why? (laughs) Her English isn't very good, but she can, she gets her point across. Yes. Why no baby yet? Where's the baby at? Mm -hmm. Where, where, what, it's been three years. (laughs) I've asked her, you know, uh, don't you want us to get married first Mm -hmm. and get married and do all that? And, you know, the right order of events. And she's like. No, just have a baby. Wow. Is this, would this be her first grandchild? This will be her first grandchild. Mm. There's so much pressure. I know. What? So how about you come from a family of five girls and no one has kids? My oh, mother, God. every day on the phone. So my, my Nigerian name is Odochi. My mother would call me and say, so Odochi still not married. Still <laughs> no baby. <laughs> and I'm like, good Are morning. No, second oldest. Oh, okay. So they're just like, so somebody, the, the oldest is married and she's working on it. And I'm the second, the third is not married, the fourth is married, and she just had a baby. So we're like, whew. And, um, but just watching her, she's literally like the milk machine. <laughs> so she's only allowed to take 10 paces away from the baby before the milk machine has to return and dispense milk. You mean it's not glamorous <laughs> and she's not like Blake Lively taking selfies of herself, you know, breastfeeding in a field of sunflowers? Uh, that or is just straight BS. <laughs> okay. Honestly, she's like, I'm so tired. Her feet are swollen. And she's just like, how can I? My mom's like, my mom is a nurse and her, my mom was telling her, you need to put your feet up. She's like, oh, when? When I'm being the milk machine? I work for a company and obviously Yahoo has very generous mm. maternity and paternity um, benefit programs, which isn't the norm nationwide. It's actually. Uh, America is one of the only developing nations that doesn't have a federally mandated paid maternity or paternity leave mm. law. Um, but I'm lucky enough to work for Yahoo and we have 16 weeks off. That's awesome. Um, and par- uh, dads get eight weeks off. That's and at good. least I know I have that yeah. sort of if I'm still working when I have a baby, have that kind of cushion. Mm-hmm. But can you talk about like I'm curious as an entrepreneur, self, um, you know, you own your own business. Mm-hmm. How are you going to plan your leave? So um, I've been like, honestly, like kind of like planning now because um, I'm going to be 36, like I said, and I mentioned, and my boyfriend and I have been talking about marriage and kids. So right now, the way my business is, is that I start off at zero, basically like every month, meaning like my income. I never know what's going to come in. People would just email me and call me and say, we want you to speak or teach or whatever. And so as the month rolls on, I make money. I cannot do that and have a kid. 
Because one, you know, I'm going to have to be home. I do a lot of speaking around the country, you know, so that's a worry for me. So I thought, well, how am I going to make this work? So one of the things I'm implementing is I'm looking for other ways to make passive income. So I have two books that do fairly well. I'm coming out with a children's book. Hopefully that will boost up my income. And two, I'm launching this academy called the Live Richer Academy, where it's going to be like a monthly fee and you can take classes on investing and business and all this kind of stuff. And so the Live Richer Academy will definitely help to put regular income into Mm -hmm. my stream without me having to leave the house because I'm not going to be able to, at least not for a while. So I'd love to hear what the BA audience has to say. Tweet us at the BA podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Brown Ambition, and you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Are you in baby limbo? What is your story? We'd love to hear it. Maybe share it next time we're on. Thank y'all so much for walking down memory lane. It is so crazy to listen to ourselves six years ago. You know, I used to get onto myself for not ever journaling like I'm supposed to be doing. I'm a writer or whatever, right? But then I remembered I have got 280 hours of journaling because every episode, it feels like we are just sharing what's happening in our lives and in the world. So we've got this little time capsule. It's it's really cool to look back and, and to hear what we were going through just six years ago. I know. I love that we call like our husband's now boyfriends. Like our boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, like, like he might make it. We don't know. <laughs> uh, we've grown up so much. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with Afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know, we work hard and we play hard. But when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment automated investment and savings app can help it do keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you know what, I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. So now it is time for the second half of our throwback episode. Like we told you guys, this is a special one. This is one of our favorite guests of 2020, Dr. Imani Walker. As a trained physician in general adult psychiatry, Dr. Imani was one of our favorite guests because she joined us to talk about how we could truly cope mentally, physically, health-wise with all that is happening while we were struggling with quarantine. And now that we are heading back into the cold, cold fall and winter season of 2021, it seems like... It just seems like deja vu. So I wanted to bring back Dr. Imani and hopefully y'all will benefit from some of her tips on how we can just be a little bit kinder and nicer to ourselves as we finish out the year. Cue les musique. And we're back. And Browner, we have the amazing, the beautiful, the intelligent, and the real Dr. Imani. No, I like that. Hi, everybody. And and hi to you guys. I like that, though. Yes, it is browner just because I'm here. Um, So, so, yeah, I'm totally like I'm so hyped to like meet you guys virtually because new normal. Um, But yeah, like this is this is great. I'm super happy to be here. So, Dr. Imani, you have been a practicing psychiatrist for how long now? Um, let's see my, I'm like looking at one of my degrees on the wall in my office. Yes. Okay. Um, Flex on us. That's all right. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Like that really wasn't a flex, but I realized now it sounds like one of my degrees, one of my four, um, (laughs) things on the wall. Um, You paid for them. Let's, let's respect. Well, okay. I will, I will admit like, honestly, (laughs) I didn't pay for them. My parents did. Right. Okay. So, okay. so I actually spoke about my mom. I spoke to my mom about this because we have a, a YouTube show actually that um, we, we usually do it every Monday. So I, I have to do that in a couple hours. But I never let anyone know in school that I didn't receive financial aid or that I had a scholarship. Wow. So I would always memorize where the financial aid office was because at the end of the year, you, like, apparently you have to do like your financial aid wrap up. And I don't know anything about like, I've heard of loans, like Stafford loans and stuff, but that wow. didn't apply to me. So I would just memorize where the financial aid office was because I didn't want people to know, you know, that my, basically my parents saved up for it. And um, I did have a scholarship. My alma mater is, is, is Xavier University in New Orleans, and I had an academic scholarship. HBCU. Yes, XU, yes. yes. But um, yeah, I, I never, my, my mother told me when I was a senior in high school, she was like, well, you know, if you want to go to a school in the Northeast, and I'd gotten into like Wesleyan and Vassar, which is my mom's alma mater. She yes. was like, you can do that. But you know, she like, she was really, really adamant about me going to Xavier because I wanted to be a doctor. And it's basically a black doctor factory and has been for decades. So she was like, here's the thing. We can pay for your college because it's significantly cheaper. Like it was much, much cheaper than Northeast, um, like Ivy League tuition. She was like, I can pay for your college. You can get a car, you know, basically like you can be out here. But when, but if you go to a school in the Northeast, you're going to have to take out loans. And I was like, well, then no. (laughs) I was Mm. like, I'm not doing that. So um, my, my, so basically that's what happened. So when I would be at a college, like I said, at Xavier, and then when I was in med school, I knew, I mean, the majority of people that I knew who were in my med school class were on scholarship or, you know, received financial aid. But, and I knew where the office was. I knew the building, but I just never been in the office because it didn't apply to me. So That's amazing. I love that story. And also how odd that you were ashamed of something that was so amazing. Yes. It was, I mean, honestly... 
it wasn't that I was fearful of anyone shaming me. And I wasn't, I wasn't ashamed of having like my friends know, like the brown and black, you know, friends that I had. It was more so like, I was like, I don't want these white people to know because then like, it's, it's like, oh, so, because the assumption is you're on financial aid when we all know mm-hmm. that white women benefit the most from, you know, affirmative action and, and those types of scholarships, right? Or those types of situations. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to have the conversation of like, okay, you know, my parents are very, um, they're, they're very, what's the word I'm looking for? They're very austere. And that's what they taught me. And that's what they taught, like, you know, my cousins and everybody else in my family. So I always saw money as a tool and not something to just be spent. And I guess I didn't want anybody to think that like, oh, so you think you're all that. So I actually, I haven't admitted this to anybody outside of my circle of friends. I don't think until like this year. Cause I just didn't, mm. I just didn't want, I just didn't want people to know. I'm like, if that's my personal business. And then also the way I grew up, it was like, you know, you keep your financial business to yourself. Mm-hmm. So we always, I guess, I mean, like we were solidly middle-class then we became middle upper class, but we still, you know, went to Sam's club, went to Costco. Mm-hmm. Like my mom grew up on welfare. My dad uh, wasn't on welfare, but he, he, you know, just had two hardworking parents that weren't getting a lot of money in the Jim Crow South. So I was just taught to, you know, like, yes, yeah, money, but like it, you know, it ain't for you. Like you, oh, you want an outfit? That's that's cute. Go get a job. So I've been working since I was fourteen. <laughs> ever since you could have uh, get your working papers in New York. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, working papers. Working yep. papers. You have to go to the high school and get yep. your working papers. Yep. So you can work in the summer. <laughs> yep. I used. I went to this. Um, there was a school. I went to Calhoun on eighty first and West End of Manhattan, and there was like a. I, I don't know if it was like a special needs school or something similar. It was like a block away, and I remember when I was fourteen, I went over there and got my working papers, and I've been working. So if I'm 44 now. I've been working for 30 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. How to answer your question? Because I just did. I, I even I, ask a question. I you was did, just asking in the no, glory I, of this I story. <laughs> just I have so many follow-ups. <laughs> I have like I can go on tangent. So just like you know, be like Imani. Okay, tap out. You do um, have your own podcast. Can we just say Imani's State of Mind? Check I it out. I love it. I listened to the uh, one of the most recent episodes yesterday. Oh, nice. It's super fun. Um, I've been so I've been a practicing physician since 2009. That's all oh, right. I that was my, my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I love it. No, 10 years. Wait, 2005. So 15 years. No, 2009. So 2009, Nine, okay. I years, finished okay. my fellowship in forensic psychiatry. So since then, pretty much, I've been um, treating psychiatric patients. So you are well, so business must be booming. Um, yes, business is booming. <laughs> I would say, I mean, like straight up when this, when all this happened, like I freaked out like everybody else. Cause it was basically, it was like Friday and I'm out here in LA. So it was like, I think it was March 13th or something like that Friday. It was like, um, okay, so we're probably going to be on quarantine. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what that means. Like a- as it pertains to me. And then Monday we were all on lockdown and I was like, oh my God, like, do I have a job still? <laughs> like, What am I going to do? So I've pretty much been exclusively seeing patients via telehealth. So either by video conferencing or by the, via telephone. Um, and is business booming? Yes. I, I I work at a hospital. I am the medical director and also the chief medical officer at a mental health hospital out here in Los Angeles uh, called Gateways Hospital. And the patients that I see, because I have a forensic psychiatry background, these are patients who came from jail or came from the state mental hospital. They might have committed some really like really egregious crimes, but it was due to their symptoms from mental illness. So I basically get them stable and keep them stable. So it it hasn't it hasn't necessarily increased for me. It's it just I had to change the mode with, with mm. I had to change the mode of how I was seeing my patients, which honestly I really I really like being at home, honestly. I mean I think we both talked about how we were introverts. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, the intersection yeah. between mental health and the, the what's happening right now. I mean, everything happening in the world is just a lot right now. Yes. And I feel like it is the exact right moment to have you on because we're like five or six months into this thing. And I was telling Tiff, like, we really haven't taken a step back to pause and, and examine sort of how has this affected us all? So, I mean, what would you say? I know that your, you know, your patients have, like you were saying, you know, severe mental illness, but what are sort of like, can you break down like mentally sort of what it is, what's happening to us? What's going on? Why, why anxiety is up. It feels like people who had maybe low grade depression before are probably more prone to having it pop up now. I mean, like Tiff, how's it been for you? Like, I feel like we just need someone to explain to us what's happening and how we can like cope. Yes, it's been, um, there were, especially in the beginning, at first I was like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm not good, you know? And then, so there's just been this wave of good, not good, good, not good. And I remember last night I was scrolling through, through social and I literally had to say no. My husband wanted to show me one of those videos. We all know what I mean, what we mean by like, you know, black, dead, mm. black, beaten bodies. And I said, honestly, babe, I, I refuse. I refuse. I'm not looking at any more of those videos. I'm not, it's too much. It's too much. And, um... Yeah, that's how I'm feeling, that I'm feeling that I'm feeling in a place where I feel like I'm striving hard to protect my peace because it's just all too much. Yeah, I um, I have always known that, like, I, I'm not good with seeing people in the act of being hurt or being tortured. Like, I, I don't I don't want to invite that into my space. I'm now I'm fine with you know, picking up the pieces and helping someone after the fact. But for me, all I need to know is like, okay, so tell me what happened. Okay, great. Those are the facts. All right. Now, how do we get it better? I haven't watched one video probably since, I'm not even lying, probably since Rodney King. I'm like, I'm not watching this shit. Like, I'm not, I don't need to invite that into my space. So, you know, I'll I'll look at the news, like, um, not look at it, but I'll read the news from my news app on my phone for like 15 minutes and a day. And then that's it. Because everything else is like speculative and conjecture and things that, you know, I don't know if you guys have been noticing this, but like the news that that bubbles up through the COVID cracks, if you will, is some wild shit. Yeah, because <laughs> like, it has like, to be to take away the headlines from COVID. It's wild. I saw, I saw, like, apparently there's like, I mean, it's summertime, but, you know, kids in cars overheating and dying. And some, there was some woman who like kills her grandparents. Like, it's just, it, it's so much weirdness that's going on. So, I purposefully don't like if there's a video, I'm like, I ain't watching that. Like I'm not trying right, to be in bed all day. It's not just the pandemic. It's also, yeah. it's this reckoning we're having, we're, we're having, yeah, I, I can talk. We're having with the reality of what it's like to be black in America, black and brown mm-hmm. in America. And that is happening at the same time where like everyone's lives are at risk and the world's on fire and the pandemic's happening. I mean, so you mentioned killer locusts. I'm just kidding. There's no killer locusts. There's killer <laughs> wasps or something, right? Like, but well, I did see that there's yes. aliens on Venus today. I was like, there's what? aliens I- on Venus. Can we join them? Do they like, <laughs> you know, are, you know? Can I apply for admission? I don't know. But I Imani, saw can- that, but I was like, and this is the nerd in me. I'm like, is that possible? Because I think Venus is like a gaseous planet, but whatever, whatever. Again, let's not even focus on that because I'm super nerd. I'll, I'll nerd out. So let's- My let's knowledge not. of Venus is like Sailor Moon from, you know, high school. But yeah, that's about as far as it goes. But so, okay, but, but 15 minutes. So limiting news, I think that's something that I need, I need to do that because I am obsessed with telling my Google, like, I'm like, hey, Google, tell me the news. Just whenever I have downtime or I'm cooking or like walking the dog, I just, I'm, I've become kind of obsessed with listening to news, but you're right. Like it doesn't really change. But something about no. that has become like a tick for me to want to consume it just to see if something new has happened or if there's new information. There's something I I was told last week I was doing this. Um, I was being recorded for this documentary about millennials and um, mental health. And my topic was anxiety. And there was an interesting term the producer used, which was, uh, what did he call it? Um, doom scrolling. And, and I was like, I was like, what's a doom That's scroll? That's very apt. 
But it sounded like, I mean, again, I'm a nerd. It sounded, I was like, is that like Ninja Scroll? Like the anime movie from back in the day? He was like, Imani, no. I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, but he, so what he explained was doom scrolling is the act of basically like what you, what you explained, like you're in, you're in your news app or, you know, you ask your local, your nearest AI, you know, machine, Alexa, Siri, whoever, like, oh, tell me the news. Cause it's, it's, everything is so out of our control and just being able to at least, you know, ask and ask your phone or ask your device, hey, can you tell me the news is somehow comforting because it's something we can control. But then when we start to actually read or it's we're, we're told the news, we consume the news, we are trying to gain more control of our lives. But the problem is that like I said before, there are certain things that are factual in the news. There are a lot of things in the news that are factual, but there's a lot that there's a lot of new, a lot of news stories that are very speculative. Like we think Biden might win. Oh, but we think Trump might win. Oh, we might think that. And it's and it's it's not doing us any good. I understand that these news outlets need content, but it's not doing us, the public, any favors because it's just creating this. This is creating this mood of like. I don't give a fuck, but then I, I'm mad anxious all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like, well, I'm anxious because I don't know what's going to happen day to day. But then at the same time, it's like, well, okay, well, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know. What can I do? Like, I can't go outside. I can't go do hood rat shit with my friends. I can't like, you know, like do, <laughs> like, I can't like, I can't like be me. So to answer your question from like five minutes ago, my bad. <laughs> um, I think what's been happening as far as let's, you know, let's use doom scrolling as an example is very similar to what happened in the beginning of the pandemic with the toilet paper, right? So why did everyone suddenly want toilet paper? Why did everyone suddenly want bottled water? Like, it's not like, oh, we have a pandemic. Now the water is the water is poisoned. It's not poisoned. It's just that we wanted to be able to have control of something when everything else was completely chaotic. Like our world's turned upside down. I went from, you know, being at work on a Friday and now I'm home on a Monday. Like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? And that was really, that's, that was really scary to a lot of us because we maintained schedules and our mind, our minds were maintaining routines that even if the routines were annoying, like sitting in traffic or, you know, having to go to work and talk to your coworker who you don't like, they were still things that your mind could count on. So humans are, first of all, social creatures and we're also creatures of habit. And when you take away both, you're going to have what what we now have, which is probably the largest global mental health crisis that we've ever encountered. So if we're going to talk about, you know, why do people feel this way? Even why do I feel this way sometimes? Because again, we're used to habit and we're used to structure and it's gone. It's gone. Like we're we're trying to, you know, six, seven months in, I, I can honestly say that I have a better structure, but it's still not what the what I'm used to for the majority of my life. So we're kind of just looking for things to, you know, gain control over. I think for, you know, honestly, for people who are anti-mask wearers, yes, it's silly to me as a physician. Like, why would you not wear a mask? Like, I respect myself. And even if you don't respect me, like you should respect yourself and not want to get sick potentially from me. But I think a lot of it is that they're like, okay, I can, this is something I can control. I can control whether I want to wear my mask or not, even Mm. though, you know, maybe I'll get a ticket depending on the, the, the town or the city, or, you know, maybe somebody will yell at me, you know, depending upon the, the business they enter. But it's, I mean, it's, it's become unfortunately and overwhelmingly very political, but it just reminds me a lot of like, we have to hoard toilet paper and water because, you know, what's like, what's going to happen? I'm like, I have no idea what was up with the toilet paper thing, but I actually have like obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So I have a habit of hoarding cleaning products anyway. So I was actually pretty good. (laughs) 
You were sad. I do feel like the doomsdayers, the survivalists, they really came out on top. Oh, listen. <laughs> the they were The ones who've been like stacking their canned beans for months. Yes. They were like, I told you. And someone like my mom, who's a nurse, and who was like, I've been told y'all to wash your filthy hands. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She's like, it's yeah, that, my day. So I'm like, I, I, I mean, as a physician, I've been around a lot of sticky, you know, nasty kind of situations, but it really wasn't until this pandemic that I was like, damn, like people are nasty. Like y'all like collectively, like y'all do not wash your hands. Like it used to be, you know, like I would go out to the movies and then, you know, I would, you know, go use the bathroom and go wash my hands in the, in the restroom. And then it, there would always be like somebody in there who wouldn't, and we would all be like, oh, like she's nasty. But you know, it was because of, you know, like people like that or people who, you know, oh, let me drink after you. Let me be all up in your face. I mean, that's, you know, unfortunately how, um, you know, some of us got sick. Mm. Well, let's talk about healthy ways of coping. I mean, you mentioned sort of like you want to control something. So like, what are the things we can do to bring back some sense of normalcy and control in our lives when everything feels like it's batshit crazy? Right. So I think the first thing to to do is, and, th- and this is kind of the hard, the hardest thing to do, is to admit that you're stressed, admit that you're anxious, admit you're depressed, admit that you can't sleep, admit to yourself that, you know, even though we've been in this for a long time, we're now at the point where we're quote unquote used to it. We're not on like a fundamental level, but it's like, okay, today's Monday, I'm going to do this. I look at my schedule, I'm going to do that, but it's not an ideal situation. So admitting that that you have an issue, admitting that you are not comfortable, like things are not right to the point where it might be interfering with your day-to-day and, and interfering with your mental well-being is key. After that, I would think that the best thing to do is for, for someone to talk to someone they trust because you'd be surprised. And I'm, I'm speaking as somebody who has a history of depression and anxiety. You'd be surprised, or I was really surprised at how helpful it was to get my feelings out of my body. And mm. when you're dealing with depression and anxiety, a lot of it is guilt-driven. It's like, well, I don't want to burden this person, you know, with my personal issues because they're going through all this stuff too. And you know what? If that person is a real, real friend to you and they really care about you and love you, they'll listen to you and they'll, you know, kind of help you through it. And that person might also be going through things and you could also serve as an inspiration for that, you know, for your friend, the loved one to be like, you know what? Like, I, you know, like, let's talk about this. Um I think the third thing to do is to really set a routine. And and Mandy, you and I spoke yesterday and I definitely agreed with you at the time. Like I like routine versus schedule. Like a schedule sounds like, oh, the, this is my class schedule for the day. Like these are things that like I have to do, but I don't really want to do versus a routine, which is like, oh, I'm going to wake up at this time because that's when I want to wake up or that's when I might need to wake up. It, it's a routine to me sounds, I mean, it's semantics, but it sounds like it's more, it's something that I can control. It's more manageable. So, you know, depending upon, you know, the person's, you know, lifestyle or what they need to do. I, I mean, I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I actually was trying to schedule like cocktail hour during, during the like early <laughs> evening. Like I can maybe relate. not... Yeah, like maybe not even drinks, but like canapes, like something. Like I was just like, I need something to just make my day feel like, oh, look at this. We're having a good time, right? And then I think, you know, the the other thing that people really need to consider and as terrible as this pandemic has been for a lot of people, the one thing that has really been great about it is that there are actually, it's actually easier to get hooked up with mental health services because most mental health clinics aren't open but they do see patients or you know or referrals or clients via apps via um uh video chat via telephone even so it really has at least in psychiatry and psychology 
Whereas telemedicine or telehealth was something that some of us were into, like now we all have to be into it because if if that's if if we don't get used to it, we don't get um, acclimated to it. We're not going to have patients. We're not going to be able to treat people and have pe- and help people feel better the way that we need to right now. And you know, I think the I think the the last thing, and this is going to sound you know kind of obvious, like Captain Obvious, but. You know, I tell people, I tell my patients, like, you know, if you if you don't have a pre-existing medical condition that's preventing you from going outside, like go outside, like go outside, because I'm as an introvert, I'll I love being in the house. I'll stay in the house all day long. But when I finally am like, okay, we got to go outside. I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice out here. Like, look, look at this. Like, look at these trees. Like I can feel the air now, right now in LA and in California, like the whole state's on fire. So there's sometimes there's like, yeah, maybe don't breathe too deeply out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I've been in the house for the past, like four or five days. So I'm starting to feel a little bit antsy, but you know, I think exercise is important. Like you, like we really need to find what we can do to increase our levels of serotonin in our brains so that we don't end up dipping into depression anxiety but unfortunately a lot of us have it almost brings up another another important point you mentioned like guilt and shame and i feel like there was this something that happened with the pandemic where people who were at home it wasn't just like let's go outside it's like oh i'm going to this is when i'm going to train for a marathon or i'm going to learn how to i'm going to start um, that triathlon i always wanted to do myself personally i got a peloton and i'm now it's something that i'm like oh why am i not on the peloton why do i not have 100 rides yet and it's almost like you know you can take these little things that maybe make you feel better but then that becomes the stick that you beat yourself with a little bit when it comes to like guilt and shame so how do we like talk our how can we just give ourselves a break for not going so over the top with this extra time that we perceive that we have. And, you know, like there's this idea that you can win quarantine by learning a new hobby or a language. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we right. doing that to ourselves? We're doing that to ourselves because we were so go, go, go before the shutdown. So I remember distinctly, I'd wake up, I'd go work out at 6 a.m. I'd come home, help my son with his lunch and make him breakfast, take him to school, come back home, run four miles, check my schedule, see, you know, like I was like the, the amount of things I was cramming into a day was absurd. Like It was absurd. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I was as we all were forced to take a step back that I was like, what, why are you doing this? Like, wh- like, w- are you going to win something at the end? Like, no. So once I was able to slow down, it really afforded me the opportunity. I mean, it was hard, but once I was able to slow down, I was able to really just take stock of, you know, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want out of life? Not out of Wednesday, not out of this job. Like, what do you want? And I was like, honestly, I'm like, I'm, I've been grinding since 2000. I had a med school in 2000. I'm like, a bitch is tired. I'm tired. I'm tired, you know, like I still want to, you know, see patients and make a difference, but you know, I don't need to, you know, start training for the, for, you know, a bodybuilding competition or whatever, like these goals I had beforehand. It's, it again is, is that it's that desire to have control of your life, but by distracting yourself. So uh, there were a lot of things that I was doing to just just distract myself because I had to realize that I wasn't happy. And when I was able to do all of those things during the day and just pack my day with stuff, did I feel better? Maybe superficially, like, did I feel like I'd accomplished something? Yes. And I think I equated accomplishing whatever it was, quote unquote, with feeling good about myself. And once that, once this pandemic pulled the rug out from under us, we were searching for things to do. Like, I, like I saw some some meme on Instagram that was going around. Like, if you don't come out of this pandemic with the skill, then you wasted your time. I'm like, first of all, don't tell me what to do. Okay, that's that's number one. <laughs> um, number two <laughs> is number two is everybody should be allowed, and everybody is allowed to live their own life as they see fit. And, you know, do I, do I want to learn how to knit? Do I want to learn how to, you know, do needlepoint? Of course I do, but this may not be the right time because I'm not able to 
I'm, I, I don't have like, honestly, we're at a point where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like I like I legit don't know. Whereas before the the shutdown, it, like you know, people would say it metaphorically, like, well, you know, tomorrow's not promised, so live for today. And you would feel it on like a certain level, but now I feel it, and I know that on a cellular level, like I do not know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen politically. I don't know what's gonna happen, you know, news wise. I don't know what's gonna happen regarding COVID. Like, you know, are we due for the killer locust swarm that you know sh- we should be experiencing? What's the point of it all, Ivani? Like, like right. why are we? This is the, I'm I'm like playing devil's advocate, but this is like a small part of me inside my brain that I'm constantly trying to talk down off the ledge is like, what's the point in saving? Why don't you just blow all your money now? Like, I mean, on what really? But, you know, I feel like financially people are, and you and I talked about this too, like the sense of um, the structure that you have with your budget. Like even something as simple as a household budget seems to feel so silly or like doesn't really compute with today's world. So how can you adjust like mentally how you look at your finances and your financial planning? So much of that has to do with the future which none of yeah. us can predict right now. A lot of it, like when we were talking before, a lot of, for me, budgeting is very tied into my self-worth because budgeting involves money. And I have, you know, we're in a capitalistic, we're in a capitalist society. So I have oftentimes equated more money equals, you know, better, better self-worth, which is really terrible in hindsight for me to have even thought that, but that's really what we're taught. Right. I would say that I'm sorry, ask me that question again because I totally forgot. <laughs> you are so much like me. I'm like, Dr. Money, are we like uh No, this we, is this uh, is COVID. This was it's us COVID on the phone yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, this is wait, COVID. Like me? I'll be like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, wait, what? what <laughs> right, that's me. The future, even, the future. How do we like make financial okay. decisions today when it's so hard for us to like remind like Wanda? We were talking Tiffany imagines herself in the future as Wanda and everything she does is for Wanda, so Wanda can be happy and you mean like love Wanda? <laughs> like I got you. <laughs> like <laughs> right? Because Wanda sound like a sassy old lady name. Cause I just see Wanda cussing and I mean, fussing. I was does. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've always, you- I've always con- I've always contended my spirit animal, Shanene. Um, yes. Because honestly, I mean, and that's that's kind of a good point to make right now. Shanene was, is, I'm guessing she's still alive in our consciousness. Shanene is a small business owner. She does very well with her salon. She has support. She had um, Key Lolo and her other friend. And every, you know, and she, every so often she got to, you know, have fun. But for the most part, Shanane was a hard worker. So I think, you know, if I imagine myself as Barton's <laughs> character, Barton Lawrence's <laughs> character on Shanane, like that, that actually, I mean, re- real talk, that honestly is probably what I'm going to do when I get off the, this phone call because I do need to like work on my budget. But I think that that's a good thing to do. Like what, like imagining yourself as Wanda. Yes, it's you. Yes. I mean, we're kind of used to in this day and age with social media, imagining ourselves as an avatar, but there's something in psychiatry, psychology that we call, um, like, like when you, when I'm talking to somebody, let's say who's experiencing depression or has in the past, and I will sometimes ask questions to determine if they're goal oriented or future oriented, right? A lot of us are not goal or future oriented right now because we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. But if we can kind of imagine ourselves, not as our, oh, I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to run this marathon. I'm going to have like a thousand rides on Peloton this month. Like, it's not that. It's not, it's not like goal oriented. Like I hit this goal. It's more so needs to be about imagining yourself in a happy place despite what's going on because we are we're in a new normal it's not going to be the same way as it was before it it isn't i mean i don't know anybody personally who would feel comfortable walking around without a mask like in the airport in a restaurant in a, you know like anything like that so i think it is i think it's good to focus on what do i like i want to be someone who is at peace. I want to be someone who definitely feels confident. And when it comes to budgeting, I know that I was having a hard time last month because I actually was starting to slip back into having some anxiety and depression. And so 
um, I was telling Mandy this yesterday. I was like, you know, I like there were some bills that they were like, Imani, are you going to pay these bills? Or like, what's up? Because you usually do. And now you're not. And it was because I was just so cloudy with my thoughts because some of my depressive and my depression and anxiety symptoms came back. And honestly, I would say over the past two weeks, as I had my medication adjusted, like I had it increased. I have been more go with the flow, like water off a duck's back. But I was, I mean, seriously, like stressing in bed, like, damn, you didn't pay your AT&T, AT&T cell phone bill. Like, look at you. Like, like you, like you really fucking up right now. And it's not that serious. It's not. It's just that I needed to get to a better place where I felt better. So I think that when it comes to budgeting, it's it's important, but I'm I'm gonna have to change my budget to reflect the fact that like I don't go nowhere. I don't have to, um, I don't have to in- include my restaurant, um, the the restaurant portion of my budget where I that I would usually use. Now I will say this: last month when I wasn't feeling that great, I was I was like, oh, Nobu's on Postmates. Word. Okay. Like, and then it's like, oh, well, that's going to cover it up. But then I ended up like feeling bad about it later because I was like, you don't need to do that. So I think we need to really look at the, at a budget or this, this new normal budget as things that we need, not necessarily to feel happy and great because I bought a lot of dumb shit and I'm like, where are you going to go with them sneakers? Nowhere. Like you don't need these things, but I think we really need to just, just look at, you know, how can we make things easier for us? How, you know, do we need to outsource certain things? Does our budget allow for that? Because it wasn't really until like maybe last year that I was like, oh, I really need to like outsource these things. Like there are things that I can afford to outsource or, you know, there were even things that I would barter for other, with other people with, for other people with. So, you know, I think we need to get to a point or people hopefully can get to a point where they feel they feel better about themselves. And that really might involve someone talking to a mental health therapist or a mental health clinician or a psychiatrist, psychologist, what have you, but also talking about like, what are the things that make me, me? What are the, and, and maybe what are the negative coping strategies that I was using before the pandemic, before um, COVID that I've carried with me into this pandemic? Snacks. Yes. (laughs) I was just soaking all of that in. (laughs) Tiff, you've been quiet. What are you thinking over there? I've just been thinking that like one of the, what I love, well, I guess if there is any bright side to all of this darkness is how comfortable people have gotten talking about therapy and suggesting therapy to each other. And when I mean people, I mean black folks. Mm -hmm. That never was a thing. It was like, girl, you better pray. No one talked about therapy. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. it's just become, like I just said it to someone the other day. I was like, yeah, well, you know, have you considered therapy? They're like, yeah, yeah. mm -hmm." Even like my churchy friends, which is like, I mean... You know, that was never a thing. Like, my, I have a super churchy friend, and she was like, oh, I talked to my therapist today. It was so great. And I just thought, you know, if there is a bright side, it's the fact that people are understanding that you need help and that going to therapy is not a replacement for God and prayer and that they can work in, tangent, in tandem together. Thank you. Um you know, and um, I'm loving because people like, you know, like Sarah Jakes Roberts, she says that all the time, which I love because so many people look up to her, T.D. Jakes' um, daughter. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I guess I was just thinking about that because quite honestly, I've been dragging my feet. I've been needing a therapist. I want a black woman for the longest. Just to, there are, what I do, um, I have several companies that I want. It could be really stressful. And sometimes I won't even know that I'm stressed until I'm like, yeah, so when's the last time you slept fully, you know? Um, So just having a place to, because I'm like the go-to for everyone. There's literally times when I feel like I'm, everyone's pulling a finger, a toe, a side. Yes. I'm just like, like what people are like, I text you. I'm like, I have 50 unread texts. Text is the new email. (laughs) Um, Right. I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean. I just think that if, if anything else, it just is like, Tiffany, you need to find a therapist. I don't know why I've been dragging my feet. I guess I'm just like, oh, I, I don't feel like interviewing people and figuring out the right person. How am I going to make time for them? I don't even have time for myself. 
True. But then, you know, it's funny. There was something there. There was like this work. It was like busy work that I had to complete for my job. And I finally got around to like finishing it today. And I was like, it's going to take so long. and I don't feel like doing it. It literally was data entry. Like this, it was not a big deal. And then today when I was doing it, now that like I'm not, you know, my motivation's better because I'm not depressed. I was like, Imani, you could have been on that. But I didn't get on myself about it. I was like, you know what? We're going to use this as, a, you know, a, a, a learning point. Like you didn't do it before because you weren't feeling right and you got some help and now you feel better and, and that's okay. So I will, but something that you said just now reminded me of the fact that a lot of people, and I think especially like I'm Generation X because I'm I'm almost 45. So, but Generation X, the baby boomers, they always get on millennials and Gen Z, like, oh, you all are so lazy and you and your cell phones and this, that, and a third. But honestly, I think, not think, I definitely know just by following social media trends and, and whatnot, that if it weren't for the black millennials we would not be talking about therapy like it's nothing. Like, oh yeah, like, cause they'll legit be like, oh, I got a therapist, I got an individual therapist, I got a group therapist. Then I have a therapist that I check in with like every two months. Like they're very pro-therapy. And as much as they were maligned and, and for, I guess for being like the quote unquote Adderall generation, they are really taking up the charge to just make it very normal. And I really appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Mandy's, a, Mandy's Thank a, you. a millennial and I'm I'm Generation <laughs> X as well. I'm, I'm 40, Dr. Imani, so I'm Generation um, X as well. So Mandy's yeah. our local millennial. I'm always like, what do the millennials say? Even though sometimes Mandy's uh, like an old lady. I'm like, girl, get with it. How do I know you don't know? <laughs> I'm a layered and complex individual like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just like, don't feel it's, it's the, it's the negative thought spiral, which is, and this is for me and food, because listen, my coping mechanism is food. And I am really appalled at how much weight I've put on in this pandemic, but it's almost like the shame of the eating habits that have plagued me for my entire life stops me from doing the things that I know I can do to make myself feel better. And then I feel bad. So then I just layer it on with more food. And it's it's this like self-fulfilling negative prophecy that, man, I'm just like, I, I and I start beating myself up because I'm like, Jesus Christ, like you're 30 something years old. Shouldn't you be over this by now? This isn't cute. Um, but again, that we're just, we're so hard on ourselves. And I, this conversation right now is just reminding me like we just as much as you as much as I say it, I know intellectually I need to be nicer to myself and just like one day after the next, but it's it's really hard to like yeah. be a human today. No, a black is. human, a woman human, age, location, whatever, just a human in your specific part of the world. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned like like you're trying to intellectualize your your desire to want to make yourself feel better by eating, right? So not that, I mean, I'm using an eating disorder as an example. I'm not saying you have an eating disorder, but- Yeah, but probably I do. Go ahead. When, <laughs> But when people are, when people, let's say, have binge eating disorder or even anorexia nervosa or bulimia where they binge and then they purge, I, I used to actually work at a hospital, um, an, an inpatient hospital with with uh, patients who had really, really severe eating disorders. And the one thing that they all told me, whether they were binging, their f- binging food or restricting their food or purging their food, is that they would get high from the maladaptive behavior. So anorexics get high when they're not, like when, I guess when their blood sugar drops, I don't know because I'm not anorexic, but they do feel this state of euphoria. And it's kind of similar when, you know, I would say most of us, myself included, have gained weight during this pandemic because it's like, like last month I was like, donuts are amazing and that's really it. So I'd like six and I'm going (laughs) to eat them every day. I'm going to eat six donuts every day. and, And that's that. Because it is boosting your serotonin in your in your brain. And that's making you feel better, but temporarily. And then the guilt and the shame sets in. So it's interesting that, you know, you, even me, we like we're we're 
creatures that we can, human beings are, are creatures that can, you know, intellectualize anything. So it's like, oh, well, why do I keep doing this? I've been doing this since I was a kid. It's not something that you can really, it's not something that you woke up one day and decided to do. It's something that your brain decided, well, is your serotonin low? Then let's eat everything. And then, and then we'll feel better for maybe like 30 minutes. So again, like what you just said in terms of, you know, we need to stop beating each, beating each other up so much. It, it's that's really what it is, and I know it's easier said than done, but I've really been trying to on the daily, like just think about things, like you know what, like oh, you had to pay that parking ticket. You know what, it happens. Pay the parking ticket. Like whereas before, I would just look at it and then just get mad, and then I flip it over, and then you know I'm like a day before I'm gonna get you know have to owe the city double. Like there's so many things that I have personally guilted myself over that completely make no sense. But that was a function of me having symptoms of of mental illness. Mm. I feel like we could keep talking and talking and talking. (laughs) talking. (laughs) Dr. Imani, it's been really amazing you having, amazing you. It's been so amazing having you on the show today. I just want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Where can no, this- people find out more about you and what you have going on now? Okay, sure. So I'm Dr. Imani. Um, I have all social media pretty much, but I would say the place that I'm most active is Instagram. So um, I can be found on Instagram at Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R dot Imani. I also... Uh, have a website of the same name, it's, but it's dr-imani.com. People can find me on YouTube. Just search for my name. Again, it's Dr. The word spelled out, Imani. And I have a podcast, which uh, is called Imani State of Mind. And it's pretty much everywhere there are streaming, there's a streaming podcast platform. Um, Imani State of Mind is essentially me and one of my best friends, and we talk about uh, mental health and mental illness and, and wellness, but we talk about it in a very casual pop culture based situation. So it's it's not it's not um it's not a sad podcast. Like we're definitely giggling the whole time and just like just acting silly. But you know, I I'm someone who that's my personality. I'm just kind of goofy by nature, and that's how I am with my patients and my friends. And so I wanted to at least show people that mental health doesn't have to be dour and sad and scary. It, it actually can be a lot of fun. So that's that's really kind of like my baby. So that's why I spent so much time uh, explaining that. But um, but yeah, Imani State of Mind, YouTube, Instagram, my website. I guess if if you want to see me, you could always go to bravo.com. Sorry, bravotv.com. Um, I'm one of the cast members of Married to Medicine Los Angeles. Um, yeah, and I think I pretty much exhausted all of my all of my avenues. <laughs> What's your address? I, I know, right? Okay, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so, so much. This was illuminating. I mean, I feel like if every therapist was like you, people would not be afraid to go to therapy. Yes, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I'm I'm an open book because I'm like, I, I mean, the patients that I see, I have to. You so? Because people are going to ask us. The, the, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I said, people are going to ask us. Yeah. How can I get an appointment with Dr. Imani? <laughs> so, okay. I have been, I, I have been considering, um, reopening my private practice because th- that actually has been occurring more, but the patients that I see are actually th- their referrals through the hospital I work for. Um, so I would, I would say probably the best way to get in a quote unquote appointment with me is to listen to my podcast. It's mm. really good, y'all. Listen to the most recent one, The New Normal. I, and it felt like your friend on the other end of it was like everybody else. Just like, don't tell me it's the new normal. I refuse yeah. to believe it. <laughs> yeah, Cam is wild. But <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we have a really good time. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to have somebody on my podcast that would be the common person as opposed to me who, you know, if I, if I, if you, you know, keep talking to me, I'm going to start sounding like, you know, a professor and I don't want to do that. You went to Xavier. True. Yeah. True. The doctor factory. Smarty already. True. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, y'all go check out Dr. Imani everywhere. And thank you again, Dr. Imani, for coming on Brown Ambition. Of course. Yes, thank thank you. you. This was super fun. I'm glad I got to meet you guys.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.